0: I want to talk to you about what I'm calling a standalone message tonight, and I'm simply calling it Stand Up Straight. Did your mom ever tell you that before? Yes. Stand, st- st- Troy, Stand Up Straight. Yes, ma'am. Stand Up Straight is what we're going to talk about. We'll be looking tonight in the Gospel of Luke. If you'll open up your Bible to Luke chapter 13, it's where we're going to be hanging out quite a bit this evening. Luke chapter 13, as you open up your Bibles, aren't you thankful for God's written words? Let me say amen. Maybe you heard the story. Story about a seven-year-old boy whose mother asked him, "What'd you, what'd you learn in would you learn in Sunday school?" On, I, need, I need my Bible, brother. oh my, I've got a lot memorized, but not that much. <laughs> yeah. And maybe you heard the story about the seven-year-old boy. Mama said, "Hey, what'd you learn in Sunday school today?" And the little boy's response to mom was, "Well, uh, you know, we, I learned quite a bit. We were talking about the the, the story of Moses when he was leading." leading the the Israelites across, out of slavery and across the Red Sea. And the little boy paused. And he said, Mom, when they got to the Red Sea, Moses realized that the Israelites couldn't make it over the Red Sea without some help. The boy paused a little bit and thought for a second. And he said these words. He said, So Moses asked the Israeli Marine Corps, if they would erect a pontoon bridge over the Red Sea, and they did. And all the people walked over on that pontoon bridge. But when the Egyptians got there, they had their tanks and their guns and all their heavy artillery, and they got stuck in the mud. So Moses radioed ahead for the Israeli Air Force to come over, and they bombed them, and they wiped out all the Egyptians. And the mother just looks at the child with kind of a stunned look on her face. Is, it, is, that, is that really? Is that really what they taught you in Sunday school this morning? And the little boy's response to mom was, well, not exactly. But if I told you what our teacher told you, you'd never believe it. (laughs) Philosophers and historians and theologians have debated the possibility and the probability of miracles that are in the Bible, like the parting of the Red Sea. There is a study conducted recently by the University of Princeton and in that study it says that 82 percent of americans still believe that miracles are performed by the power of god still today still today there's hope and jesus performed countless miracles during his lifetime the actual number of miracles that jesus performed is really innumerable because the bible speaks uh, quite a bit of Uh, There were more miracles that Jesus had done. It says that Jesus performed many other miracles that his disciples saw, but those miracles were not recorded in the book. That's in John chapter 20, verse number 30. But there are, in fact, about 35 specific miracles that Jesus does that are described in the Bible, about 35 of them. And of those 35, almost, well, nearly all of them were miracles of healing. In Luke chapter 13, there's one of the most beautiful stories, I want to talk to you about it tonight, that Jesus, a miracle that Jesus ever performed, and it happened on the Sabbath. The Sabbath is like today. It's Saturday when Jesus was teaching in the local synagogue. And I'd like to read it to you first, and then we're going to talk about it. Luke chapter 13, beginning at verse number 10. On the the Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. That seems like that'd be a great place for the story to end, but that's not where the story ends indignant because jesus had healed on the sabbath how dare he do that the synagogue leader that's like the the religious leader like the pastor the synagogue leader said to the people there are six days for work so come and be healed on those days not on the sabbath the lord answered him jesus said to him you hypocrites Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? And when he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing somebody say amen Amen. one of the wonderful reasons why this story is is so powerful and really why the bible is so powerful is because we have the opportunity to see the scriptures through various vantage points from different perspectives it's kind of why we have the four biographies of jesus matthew mark luke and john same story Written from a different vantage point, written from a different perspective. And so what I want to do tonight, today, is I would like for us to take a look at this story through various vantage points, viewpoints. And so vantage point number one, let's look at the story through the lens of the crippled woman, Mm -hmm. the person who needed to be healed. Luke says that this woman had a spirit of infirmity. She had a spirit from Satan that was controlling her and making her crippled making her back always hunched over it was it was like she she couldn't she couldn't straighten up she was stuck in 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 this position and when you're stuck in this position when you're down your 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 vision is down i mean you can try to look up you can try to turn your head up but you can't really see very much when your eyes are up like this so you just can't focus as well as you can if you were able to stand up and so really her vision physically and figuratively was down her vision for her life was the same as her vision through her eyes she could only see just a step in front of her she could only see here because of this infirmity this 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 binding of the enemy this satanic grip that he had upon her in her in her life but the bible says even though she was suffering check it out um In verse number 11, it says, And a woman was there, who had been crippled. But it says a woman, two powerful words, was there. Now, dial into this Bible study with me for a few minutes. She was there. She didn't feel like being there, but she was there. She, She was hunched over but she was still there. She was embarrassed by her position, but she was there. She couldn't look anybody in the eye, but she was there. She probably drew a lot of attention. She didn't want upon herself, but she was still there. She didn't feel like it at all, but she was there. I wonder if I had been crippled for 18 years, would I have been faithful to go to church and worship God week after week like this woman? I imagine this woman probably prayed. Don't you think she prayed? I mean, I think she probably prayed. God, heal me. God, take this away from me. Would you, would you take, give me some relief? But, but, but she didn't become, in the midst of not being healed for 18 years by God, she didn't become bitter. She didn't become resentful at all. That's a miracle. A, a lesser person might have become angry or disillusioned with, with God. I mean, come on. It's been almost two decades. Many people feel that way about God, our neighbors, maybe you. Mm -hmm. Suffering often causes people to withdraw from God, maybe even blame him for their pain. But this woman loved God despite her disability. And she was always loyal to him. It's a a powerful testimony. When you look at this story through the, the lens, the eyes of this woman, think about what she would have missed out on had she not been in church that day. Wow, think about what, what you might miss out on when you're not in the gatherings. Like, like, like this, this woman, her presence was probably an encouragement to many people in the crowd that day. I'm, I'm sure there were many people who loved on her and encouraged her as well, but I'm pretty sure she was encouraged just by being there. That's what happens when we're faithful to church that's what that's a natural outpouring of what takes place when we're faithful unto God and in fact that's the real purpose of of meeting together I'll Leave your Bible bookmarked here we're gonna come back but I want you to turn forward a few chapters into into the book of Hebrews right toward the end of your Bible in Hebrews chapter 10 verse number 24 it says and, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Well, what, well, how do we spur each other on? If we're faithful, we gather together, how do we spur each other on so we can love people that are unlovable? How do we spur each other on to do good things? How do we, how do, we do that? Well, it, it, it answers the question here. Um, um, let, us, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day—that's Jesus—the day approaching, Jesus' imminent return. He's coming back for His church. You can't really, um, you can't really thoroughly embrace and and, and appreciate the love, acceptance, nurturing, the care, the concern that the church family has for you if you're not faithful to the church. I told my girls this growing up, um, you want a friend, you gotta be a friend, Amen. right? You gotta be a friend, you gotta be a friend. When you are a friend, you'll be a, you'll be a magnet to all kinds of people that want, want you to be their friend and will be your friend. It's, it's not Saturday, it's not Sunday, or the Sabbath that's more holy or special than the other six days, like, like these guys are saying to Jesus in this synagogue. They're, they're really, really angry at Jesus, the synagogue leaders are, because he's, he's healing on the Sabbath. But going to church, going to the gathering, because we are the church, going to the gathering of the church gives us a chance to surround ourselves with other people who love God Amen. to express corporately together our love for God and to c- encourage one another Amen. that life is hard but we'll encourage one another we'll sharpen each other we'll hold each other accountable we'll ask each other the hard questions keep expressing your love for God throughout the week in your job and your home with your family and that's what church is all about and then in this woman looking through her eyes her eyes Jesus calls her forward. I wonder what that felt like. It says in in uh, Luke chapter 13, it says uh, this woman had been there for 18 years. She was bent over. In verse number 12, when, when Jesus saw her, he called her forward. It was an altar call. He, he called her forward. Woman, come on up here. I wonder what she thought. Oh, this is going to be horribly embarrassing or or, or, or I've got the attention of she didn't know it was God at that point but I've got the attention of this rabbi this powerful anointed teacher of God I, wa- I wonder what she thought but here's what I know she, she did is, is, is she went she responded see God calls that's one part of our life he calls all of us he's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance he calls us But do we respond and she responded to the call and the reason she was healed was because she was called you're called and she responded did you respond and when she responded she received a blessing from God and she was healed this woman's spirit must have been shining like a ray of sunshine on a cloudy day when she was healed and it says in verse number 13 that she began to just praise God thoroughly in the house wouldn't you do that also haven't been able to stand up for 18 years. Now she can stand up. I mean, this crippled woman's perspective is a powerful perspective, but it's only one perspective in this story. So now I want to take a look at the second vantage point, and that's the vantage point of of Christ. We looked at it through the lens of the crippled woman, but through the lens of Christ, it says that Jesus saw her. Jesus saw her. Jesus saw her called her notice she didn't come to Jesus begging for him to do something there's nothing wrong by the way for asking and asking and asking God to do something but but she didn't do that he called her he he wanted her to know that I see your infirmity I see your pain I see your suffering Mm -hmm. and he called her over to him in this world I I found a couple of Americans last year bought over 3 billion Tylenol isn't that interesting Jesus knows every headache you've ever experienced the emergency room visits in the United States of America reached an all-time high last year a hundred and fourteen-plus million emergency room visits were made in the United States last year now if you think about that we have a population of about 300 million so nearly half of the population or several repeats went to the emergency room last year Jesus knows every broken bone he knows every affliction in the New Testament it says that Jesus cured diseases he cast out demons he healed hurts he raised the dead I think Jesus is always on the lookout for hurting people that was that was his mission. In fact, if we want to go back in the book of Luke, just a couple of pages, and you go back to Luke chapter four, Jesus was in his hometown. He was used to going to church as a boy. Now he's a thirty-year-old young man, and he is in the same hometown in Nazareth. And um, he's been invited. He's been invited because he's a rabbi now. He's a teacher of God's word. He's been invited to 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 read some of God's word, some of the old. So here's what happens. The the, the synagogue leader in Nazareth on that day happened to have one of the scrolls. Like 39 books in the Old Testament. Let's say they had 39 scrolls. Not exactly how it worked, but they had scrolls of the Old Testament. And the synagogue leader pulls out the scroll of Isaiah. And he hands it to Jesus. And he, Jesus unrolls the scroll. And it says he takes just a minute. And he finds a particular place in the book of Isaiah. And Jesus is sitting down. And he begins, or excuse me, standing up and he begins to read to them. And he says in verse number 18 chapter 4 the spirit of the lord is on me now he's reading the words of isaiah that were a prophecy several hundred years earlier than this that literally were prophesying this moment in time jesus saying these words the spirit of the lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and then the Bible says that he rolls up the scroll hands it back to the 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 priest and then he sits down and what happens in this particular portion is the scripture is read when you're standing but when you're sitting everybody begins to lean forward in our culture it's a little different When you're sitting down, it's a little hard to get somebody's attention, but when you're standing up, having a pow, everybody listens a little bit closer. But this is the position Jesus would have been in. They would have heard the word, and now he's going to tell them about it. And what he tells them is he says, this is me that's talking about me. Now everybody who was really excited before begins to get really ticked off at Jesus. But what we know about the life of Jesus is everywhere he went, everywhere he went, he took time to help, and he took time to heal. The word compassion The word compassion is used 13 times throughout Jesus' biographies, the Matthew, Mark, Luke and John that we spoke about. And every single time, either the word compassion was spoken by Jesus or it was spoken to describe Jesus. I was thinking, how can I illustrate this? In 1988, there was a speed skater named Dan Jansen. Now, some of you might remember this because you're old like I am. But the rest of you may not. It's a little history lesson. Dan Jansen was in the spotlight in the Winter Olympics. Just a few hours before his big race, Dan Jansen found out that his sister, who had been diagnosed with leukemia one year earlier, had just died. He had determined in his heart in that moment that he was going to continue the race in honor of his sister. This is the Olympics, the Winter Olympics. But the weight of his grief, it was just too much for him. He ended up falling in the first turn of the race, and he never really recovered in that race. Sports Illustrated printed an article about him and included a letter, a letter that Dan Jensen had received shortly after he returned home from failing in the Winter Olympics. He was favored to be the gold medalist. The letter was from a man named Mark Arrowwood. Who's Mark Arrowwood? Mark Arrowwood is a 30-year-old, at that time a 30-year-old, disabled man from Pennsylvania. And I would like to read to you the letter that he wrote to Dan Jansen, the Olympian. Dear Dan, I watched you on TV. I'm sorry that you fell two times. If I was Dan, I would have been like I could probably do without that last little comment there. Was it snarky? But whatever. I'm sorry that you fell two times. I am in Special Olympics. I won a gold medal at Pennsylvania State Summer Olympics right after my dad died seven years ago before we start the games we have a saying that goes like this let me win but if I can't win let me be brave in the attempt Mark Arrowwood goes on to say in the letter Dan I want to share one of my gold medals with you because I don't like to see you not get one. Try hard and try again in four more years. Within that envelope, Dan Jensen discovered a gold medal that Mark Jensen, or excuse me, that Mark Arrowwood had won at the Special Olympics. It so inspired Dan that he did indeed come back years later And he won the gold medal in his final race in 1994 in the winter in the winter Olympic Games true story. Mark Arrowwood that special Olympian that 30 year old special Olympian is a great example in my opinion of what Jesus does. Mark saw a person stumble. He was moved with compassion and he was motivated to help. Are you like Jesus. And do you see you see stumbling people all around you? Are, are you moved with compassion and are you motivated to help as we strive to be more like Jesus? we realize that oftentimes the possessions the stuff that God gives to us are are really given to us to help us reach people with the love of God. In, in fact, I want to refer you to just just one verse in the book of, of galatians Galatians uh, chapter six verse Number number two, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Did you carry anybody's burdens this week? I man? I hope you did. I said vantage point number one, there's this crippled woman in this story. And we've got to see it through her eyes. But I think we get stuck there. We just see it through her eyes. But vantage point number two, we need to see it through the, through the eyes of Christ, of Jesus. Unfortunately, whenever somebody does something great, there's always going to be the third vantage point. That's the vantage point of the critics. There's always going to be people that's going to criticize you. Some of you experienced quite the criticism this week. The synagogue leader was angry. Of all people, he shouldn't have been the one to be angry, but he was angry because, because Jesus healed on, on the Sabbath day. In fact, he says in Luke chapter, uh, Luke chapter 13, verse number 14, let's just reread what, he, what happens here. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, there are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days. Not on the Sabbath. It's so strange. It's It's weird. It doesn't make sense to us, does it? I mean, somebody's sick, and they need to be made whole again. It doesn't, it, it's a strange criticism. They could have attacked Jesus in a number of different ways. Why would somebody get so angry over something that was so kind-hearted, that was so considerate, like Jesus healing a crippled old lady? I mean, it's just, not only that, it doesn't make sense. Come back another day. Well, Jesus wouldn't be there another day. This was a stop of many stops that he's going to make on his ministry. And the synagogue leader, he had to have, he had to have known that. Jesus was, was a busy man. And who's to say he was going to be? It just doesn't even, it doesn't make sense to me when I, when I pause and, and think about it. But none of that really mattered to this synagogue leader. He was blinded. He was blinded by his anger. He was furious. Jesus broke the rules. Come on, man. He broke the rules. You see, what was the rule? The rule was, and this was the rule. It's crazy, but this was the rule. God gave us the Sabbath. The Sabbath is the day of rest, what we call Sunday, but the Sabbath needs to be one day every seven days. And it does need to be honored. Don't misunderstand me. There's no wink and a nudge with this. It needs to be honored. Jesus gave us the Sabbath, but the intention of the Sabbath was for it to be a blessing not to be a burden did did you hear that because of their legalistic approach to God's commands what God said to do the religious leaders they developed this kind of elaborate code of conduct that needed to be followed and one of the codes of conduct was actions were to be prohibited on the Sabbath including any type of work you couldn't do anything and they considered healing to be a part of the work of a doctor and since you weren't allowed to work on the Sabbath, healing was the work of a doctor. Jesus, it, I mean, it's forbidden. You can't possibly heal somebody on the Sabbath. So according to their religious regulations, when Jesus healed this crippled woman on the Sabbath, he was breaking the law. I, there are a lot of laws on the books in a lot of cities and, prince, and, and, and municipal, municipalities in, in the United States of America that just don't, they're just not, they don't make sense. And they're odd laws. And yet they're still in the books. For example, these are all. I found some laws that have to do with church. So I thought, well, they're fascinating. Um, Young girls, according to the actual law, young girls are never allowed to walk a tightrope in Wheeler, Mississippi, unless it's in church. That's just the rules. That's the law. It's in the books. And I was born in Iowa, but in Honey Creek, Iowa, no one is permitted to carry a slingshot to church unless you're a policeman. That's a real law. You can't, don't be... No citizen in Lee Creek, Arkansas, Lee Creek, Arkansas, is allowed to attend church in any red-colored clothing. That's a law. So, at least one of you in here tonight would be in deep trouble. Is that right, Danny? Right? And in Blackwater, here's a good one. In Blackwater, Kentucky, I don't know. I don't. Know, you got to wonder how did they come? Somebody had to broken the law to make make a law, right? Tickling a woman under her chin with a feather duster while she's in a church service. (laughs) Carries a penalty of $10 and one day in jail. Leave your feather duster at home. (laughs) Jesus apparently considered these convoluted codes of conduct that the religious leaders had concerning the Sabbath day to be in the same category as these other odd laws. Earlier, Jesus explained in, in the Gospel of Mark let me go back there and just kind of share with you what he says in, in Mark's Gospel uh, chapter two, verse number 27. He says, "The Sabbath, the Sabbath was made for man. Not man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath." The point is this, all of God's commands are important. Don't misunderstand that. but they were designed for the benefit of us. Not not when we legalistically in, in, insist on the intentional, willful following of the letter of the law and we overlook the, the, the real needs of real people yes. i don 't believe that God is pleased Amen. In fact, the Bible records seven different times that Jesus breaks the law of the Sabbath, <laughs> challenging these religious leaders, guys you got to look beneath your rules you gotta look beneath your regulations to the true purpose of god's law and what's the true purpose of god's law to glorify god by helping people who are in need so i said i said we got the vantage point of the crippled woman we got the vantage point of christ we've got the vantage point of the critics in the story but we've also got the vantage point of the crowd the crowd the other people that were there don't you think that makes up most of the people in life When Jesus made his point, the people were overjoyed in this story. In fact, it says in verse number 17, when he said this, all his opponents were humiliated. But the people, the crowd, they were delighted with all the wonderful things that he was doing. Why? I I propose that they were tired of their dress codes. They were tired of their hair codes. They were tired of the behavior codes. They were tired of all the other codes that gave church this Pharisaic feel, this legalistic place. And now, this, this rabbi, Jesus, who they treasured, he was, somebody was standing up for them against these rigorous rules that all these religious leaders had come up with that affected every area of their life. Jesus came to set the captives free. Amen, amen. He, freedom. For freedom, we are free. It's, it's, it's what he said. Um, it is finished. And the people rejoiced. Who did they rejoice with? This woman who'd been healed. They were overjoyed that she was healed. Finally released from her burden she'd experienced. Four vantage points. The crippled woman, Christ, the critics, and and the crowd. Guys, through this miracle, we see the beauty of unwavering love and loyalty toward God demonstrated by a crippled woman, formerly crippled woman. We see the wonder of Jesus, his love and his compassion. We see that what he's, his His effort, his energy, his love toward the needs of people. We see the futility of legalism and we see the joy of redemption. As we as the church grow in our capacity, and that's what this is all about, is growing in our capacity to love God and to love people, let's be as committed as this crippled woman was. Let's never allow the letter of the law to get in the way of the spirit of the law. Let's reach out to people in need with the love of God. Let's, Let's celebrate together all the wonderful things That Jesus is doing. That's the call, that's the call of the church. I'm sitting down tonight because I just don't feel very good. You ever have one of those days you just don't feel very good? Maybe I kind of ran myself a little ragged, I'm not quite sure. Maybe I don't know what it was, but just kind of don't don't feel very good. Very good. So I'm not gonna shake your hand or but I don't want to miss the opportunity to coach and to champion and to cheer our church family on, to really seeing this story, this healing story through the lens of the crippled woman, of Christ, because he feels the same way about you as he did about her, of the critics. They're gonna be around. You need to expect in this world, you're gonna have critics And, and, and the crowd is all around. In other words, people are watching. Are they going to rejoice based upon your reaction? Or are they going to walk away? Let's pray together. Mighty God, thank you. Thank you for this story of healing. Thank you, God, that this really happened. Thank you, God, there's so many backstories and, and underlying plot twists within this just half of one page in Scripture. And yet there's so many vantage points that we can see ourselves in the story. Maybe tonight we're part of the crowd. Maybe, maybe, maybe tonight we've been a critic. Maybe, maybe tonight we can actually see it through the lens of Christ that while well, he loved her, so he must love me. Or maybe we can see it through the lens of this crippled woman. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. In a very real sense, we're just like this crippled woman. Sin has so twisted and crippled each one of us, we can't even lift our faces to God. But Jesus, Jesus Christ has called each one of us over to him to be healed. And when we're touched by Jesus, we're released from that cold grip of satanic oppression and sin. And at that point, we are free, free to look up at the face of our savior, we can stand up straight once and for all God that's what we want tonight that's what we want tonight so the Lord is speaking to you through this passage through this scripture I'm not sure how he's speaking to you but I'm I'm confident he speaks to us through his word and I'd like you to respond just right there where you're at Modesto we're online right here in the Lathrop campus just begin to say God help me I feel twisted and crippled help me I had not experienced Christ in this way before help me to embrace his love and know that he's for me and 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 he's calling me I don't have to beg and wave my hands to try to get his attention he sees my need before I even know it help me God to realize there's always going to be critics it doesn't take away the sting but it sure does give me some foreknowledge to know that that they're there. But God, help me never to be one. Oh, God, help me never to be one. And Lord, help me be mindful of the crowd. That there are people watching all over the place in my workplace, in my school, my neighborhood, when I'm driving in my car, as my wife reminded me today. People are watching, the crowd is all around. May we emulate the love of Christ everywhere we go. We'll give you the praise, we'll give you the glory give you the honor in Jesus name in Jesus name